serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Yea, hath God said. It said the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said. Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also under a husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the fruit, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, <clears throat> and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. 
in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was of the mother of all living. Unto Adam also unto his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man is become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And he drove out the man. He placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege to read chapter 3 of the book of Genesis. We pray, God, that you would illuminate our heart. We know that the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even, dividing asunder, soul and spirit, and joints in the marrow. And Lord, while we were even reading, it was a discerner of our thoughts and our intents of our heart. No doubt while we sat in the sanctuary, while we stood and reverenced the reading of the Word of God, the Word of God and its ability to prick the hearts and touch the physical realm, the spiritual realm, to, to discern the very intentions and the thoughts of our hearts that are gathered here today. Even so, Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would have His way throughout the service. Lord, I know that there may be some here for wrong intentions. Maybe everyone here has the right, but Lord, we know that the Word can discern the thoughts and the intents of our heart. And we pray, Lord, that it would minister to our hearts today, that we leave out of here encouraged, helped, and stirred in our heart. Pray you'd empty us of our flesh and fill us with the power of the Holy Ghost. Help us to be a vessel that you'd preach through. And Lord, we'll thank you for all you accomplish. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. You can be seated. If the Lord would help me just for a little while this morning, I want to preach on the, the seed plot of the whole Bible. We're going to read Genesis 3.15 one more time. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, <coughs> excuse me, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. I want to get to Genesis 3.15. i got to give an introduction, but I feel like that some people have referred to Genesis 3.15 as the greatest text in your Bible. It is, in fact, the seed plot for the whole Bible. It's found in Genesis 3.15. In these one verse, these, just these few words, the words of God to Satan, the fall of humanity. Everything is laid out in Genesis 3.15. Think about it when I read it like this. And I, that is God said, and I, God, 
will put enmity between thee, talking to Satan, and the woman, talking to Eve, between thy seed, that's the seed of the serpent, and her seed, that's the seed specifically of Christ, because a woman doesn't have a seed. The only person that could ever fulfill this text had to be virgin born, had to be without the aid of a human man. So between thy seed, that's the seed of the serpent, and her seed, the seed of a woman, shall bruise thy Satan's head, and then Satan shall bruise his heel, the seed of the woman. The rest of the Bible, many have said, I believe it was Vance Havner said, everything else in your Bible, all 66 books, all 1189 chapters is an expansion of chapter 3 and verse number 15. He said, I love what Vance Havner said, he said, it is the prophetic truth of the New Testament it is the truth of the Old Testament. It extends all the way back to before time and will go all the way past when time is no more. It includes John 3.16 is the first prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is spoken and given by the Father against the serpent because of the fall of man. In this verse we see the embryo of everything later that's going to be revealed about our Savior. Notice it said, he. It gives us this, this pronoun. I want you to, to notice this. He said, between thy seed and her seed. And when it says, it shall bruise thy head. I found out it is in the masculine tense. Has to be of this seed has to be of a human race according to Genesis 3.15. According to Genesis 12 and verse number 3, the seed has to be the line of Abraham. According to Genesis 49 and verse number 10, this seed that is going to bruise the serpent's head has to be of the tribe of Judah. According to 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number seven, uh, 16, he has to be not just of the seed of Abraham, not just the tribe of Judah, but it has to specifically be of the family of David. According to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14 and Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, he had to be virgin born. According to Micah chapter 5 and verse number 2, this virgin born son of David, son of Judah, son of Abraham, seed of a woman, had to be born in a specific town called Bethlehem of Judea. Amen. And chapter of the 19 of the book of Luke and verse number 10, we know why the Son of Man came. In Matthew chapter number 1, we know what family he came through. In Matthew chapter number uh, 2 and verse number 1 through 6, we find out he was the son of Mary. Amen. Thank God his, his adopted dad, Joseph, was also in that same line. In chapter number 2 of verse number 16, we find out that he came to give that death blow to the devil. So everything in the Bible points back to Genesis and chapter 3 and verse number 15. But before I get there, look with me in chapter 3 and verse number 1. Let's find out who this serpent is. 
the first time the word serpent is found in your Bible is chapter 3 and verse number 1. It is the first mention uh, principle and the Bible says that his serpent is referred to as Satan, the devil, the adversary, the biting devil, the backbiting devil, the battering devil, you know, that one that's been against God and against his people. Said the serpent was more subtle. He described the serpent as subtle. And note this word subtle means crafty. Not in a good way of a woman being crafty to make things. But crafty as in cunning. As in a bad sense. He's sensible. The word means sensible meaning he operates within emotion and on the senses, never on facts, all the time on feelings. He, this word, it also means, this word subtle also means to be, in other words, the idea of little by little, to be so cunning, to be so crafty that he moves in and works against God's people little by little. Never just come uh, with a horn and pitchforks and a long fork and tail. He, he always comes in little by little. And, and in that way, uh, that he works even to try to get Christians to compromise. He doesn't have an on-off switch. He has a dimmer switch. See, he just wants to tune it down just a little, just a little, until your senses are so numb to your compromise that you'll wind up sitting in the dark and wonder how in the world you ever got there. He's subtle, he's sneaky, he's crafty. This biting devil, this backbiting devil, this devil, devil that is a serpent that's subtle. But I do, I, I, I just want to point out today, the last mention of Satan is found in the book of Revelations in chapter number 20 and verse number 2. And that's when we find out the devil is going to be putting his place in hell. Amen. Thank God, hallelujah, the serpent is going to finally get what's coming to him. And he that's always been bent to us, he that's always been backbiting, he that's always been gnawing on us is one day going to be barbecued. Amen. This subtle devil is going to be a seared devil. Somebody ought to say amen. He, he's slow and operating. He, he, he tries to get you to move just a little outside of the boundaries. And that's what he did with Eve. Notice what, what the Bible said. He came to Eve with a question. And, and here, here's the thing. They, they say, y'all have heard me say this, that the generation that we're in now is a question mark generation. They want to question everything. They want to question traditions. They want to question truth. They want to question the Bible. They want to question everything they're raising. They want to question. And questions are okay as long as you go to the right person to get them answered. Questions are all right if it's the right person asking them. But it's the devil talking to Eve. Don't ever talk to the devil. I hear people get on TV and they like make big boasting comments like, you know, uh, hey, just... 
uh, you got the power to subdue them. Well, here's what the Bible said. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. The power we have against Satan and all principalities and powers that work to move against us and against God's will, against God's way, against God's word, it's not in our own strength, but in the power of the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. Would you all say amen? The devil's real. We find him in our chapter. He was created Lucifer. Out of rebellion and pride and, and against God's sin. See, sin's a universal problem. Sin didn't start on earth. It started in heaven. It started in heaven in a perfect place. And then here we have in the Garden of Eden, it's a perfect place. And sin's going to mess it up. Sin always messes everything up. We see the devil. Don't talk to the devil. See, talking to the devil will always lead you to say something wrong. Notice what she said. He said, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So he posed a question. And verse number two, here's the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the garden, of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it. She'd have been right if she would have stopped talking right then, but she didn't stop talking. She's going to add five words to your Bible. That's why it's such a dangerous thing to get involved in one of these perversions that's going around. They ain't but one Bible, and we're preaching out of it today. And if you get involved in any of these other perversions, what's going to happen is you're going to find, just, just for instance, I think in the first version of the NIV, it was 32,100 and something words taken out. 100 and something words taken out. That, or that many verses, excuse me, taken out. The equivalent of 14 books of the Bible. If you were to compile them all, don't, don't take, don't get something that's got holes in it. Get the Bible, would y'all say amen? Well, you say, preacher, it's hard to read. It's hard to read. Well, he didn't want it to be hard to read. Amen, he just wanted to read true. And God that inspired the Bible is the same God that can preserve the Bible, and I'm glad we have it. She messed it up, added five words to what the Lord said. Here's what she went on to say. Neither shall ye touch it. She didn't say nothing about touching it. You could have played basketball with it. You could have kicked it around like a soccer ball, throwed it back and forth like a football, could have got it out and throwed it, used it like a hockey putt. Didn't say nothing about touching it. The Lord said, had told Adam, and Adam had told Eve, the Bible, had, they, had, they have been specifically directed by God's word not to eat of the fruit, lest ye die. Watch what the serpent said in verse number four. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. So he, got, he, he started the conversation got asking her a question. Now she, he's got her questioning not only the word of God, questioning the will of God, questioning the way of God. That's what the devil does. See, here's where a stroll with the devil. You say, preacher, how do you know they were walking? Well, the Bible said in verse number two and verse number three, they were talking about this tree. But time you get to verse number six, they're standing at the tree because the Bible says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she saw it, that's the lust of the eyes. 
she saw that it was good and that it was pleasant to the eyes. A tree to be desired, that's the lust of the flesh. A tree to be desired to make one wise, that's the pride of life. And she did eat and gave unto her husband. See, taking a stroll with the devil, walking with the devil, talking with the devil will take you to places you don't need to go. It'll put you within seeing distance of what you don't need. It'll put you within reaching distance of what you don't need. It'll put you within eating distance of what you don't need. And it won't just be you that gets caught up in the sin. It'll be the person that you love the most. The only other person on the planet fell in the same shape. Now, according to 1 Timothy and chapter number 2 and verse 13 through 15, the Bible tells us plainly that Eve was deceived. Adam wasn't deceived. But Adam chose willingly to do what Eve did because he didn't want to lose his bride. So we find the context of chapter 3 and verse number 15. According to the Bible, this is what sin will do. Sin will cause you to hide. Said they heard the voice, so they went and hid themselves. It'll get you to try, sin will try to make you want to cover it up. The Bible says they, they sewed fig leaves together and made them aprons. Somebody asked me, a young person asked me one time, said, Preacher, do you believe they were naked? Well, I don't believe they were naked before they sinned. And I know people, you're going you're gonna to try to come up after the service and try to convince me otherwise. You're way too late. I've been in this thing way too long. Here's what I believe. I believe they were clothed with the glory of God. And when they, that, that glory clothed them and, and surrounded them. But when they sinned, the glory had dissipated. And because of their disobedience to the word, the will, amen, and the way of God, what happened is they were exposed. Sin will always do the same thing. It will expose your evilness. It will expose your nakedness. Sin will always strip you and leave you naked. And so what they try to do is sew together fig leaves. This is the first Baptist church of works right here. First one, first time works got introduced. They're going to try to sew fig leaves together. Now I do think this word um, it, it is worth pointing out that the word says aprons. They made themselves aprons. That means to cover the groin. That means to cover the private areas. That's all they were interested in. And when the Lord made them clothes, he made them coats. And you know what coats do? They fully cover you. And everybody said amen. And the Bible said in verse number 14, The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, art cursed above all cattle. He said, Upon thy belly thou shalt go. Now it looks like, I got, before I get into verse 15, it looks like the devil's getting the upper hand here. It looks like the devil's going to come out on the top as a winner. We do see him. I mean, he's a conniving serpent, uh, but he's going to receive a curse. The Bible said he got defooted and disarmed. Somebody say amen. He had to walk, he had to, he had to crawl on his belly. In other words, this is probably where the song come. Another one bites the dust. Amen. He's going to eat dust from here on out. He's going to eat dust. Amen. Y'all say, it's okay to smile once in a while. The serpent started out conniving. He started out crafty. He started out, he started out, it looks like he's got the upper hand, but he's going to get cursed. This subtleness is going to be revealed in, from here on out. The serpent is going to crawl on his belly. See, Satan tried to come in there by the ear gate. But most of the time, most of the time, he can't just come by the ear gate or, and she's sent him by the mouth gate. 
but he's going to work through the eye gate. It's what we see that trips us up most of the time. It's the things we see. You say, preacher, it don't bother me. Well, then, then something's wrong because the Bible said the first time sin entered into this world, Eve saw that it was good and pleasant to the eye. Are y'all listening to me? You got to watch what you're looking at and what you're seeing. You say, well, preacher, that wouldn't happen to me. Well, according to the Bible and the book of Joshua, Achan saw the Babylonian garment. And that's what caused him to not take the Babylonian garment, the wedge of gold and the silver. And it was according to the Bible in the book of Genesis, the Bible said Lot saw the well-watered plains of Jordan. What we see will affect what we do. We got to watch what we see, what comes in the eye gate, what we let come through the ear gate, what we let come out of the mouth gate. We got to watch it, but I'm telling you, we got to put a guard of the Holy Ghost on our gate because Satan is conniving, but thank God he's been cursed. And hallelujah, according to chapter 3 and verse 15, where I want to get to today, he's going to be conquered. And one day he's going to be charcoal. Amen. But look, look with me, if you will, in verse 15. Let me give you a short thought. Let me, let me share this thought with you. I believe this is the seed plot of the whole Bible. You can see conflict. I will put enmity between thee and the woman. You can see Calvary. says, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Thank God you can see conquest because that seed, that, that seed, that pro, the pronoun seed and it put together is masculine. It shall bruise thy head. That, that is a twofold bruising. I, I, I was reading a story about a missionary sitting, went out there and he, just, he had very little food and they was, their supply was, was running low and they only had just a couple of bullets. He ended up shoot, shooting an animal and they, they cooked the animal but they had no other way. They had no other way to catch animals, no other way to cook animals. He felt like he was going to starve to death and, and they, they went into the tent one day down in the Amazon and there was a large one of them boa constrictor snakes. I don't like snakes. I know Bentley likes snakes. Maybe God let them exist so Bentley could have one. The only thing I feel like Adam let snakes live is to make cowboy boots out of them. Otherwise, I don't like snakes. I don't like nothing. I don't even like rubber snakes. Hollis had a rubber snake today. I don't like rubber snakes. I hate snakes. So don't throw no snake on me. Somebody help me. And, and if, if one comes in my yard, I don't care if it's black, yellow, purple, it's dead. It's, it's done. I, I'm, I, ain't, I don't like snakes. This old boa constrictor was inside this missionary tent. He had one bullet left, and it was going to be weeks before his supply. He didn't know what in the world he was going to do. He's got to kill it. He shoots one shot, kills the boa constrictor in the head. Head blow. Isn't that what Genesis 3.15 said? It shall, it shall bruise thy head. And by, by, the, by the time that snake got done, ringing back and forth, it destroyed everything in his tent. You say, preacher, it was dead. I know it was dead. And what we're facing now, thank God for Calvary. Thank God Jesus went to Calvary and gave a, I mean, a head blow to the devil. I mean, we see it right there in that text. He said it was going to happen, and it did happen. Amen. Jesus died, and a death blow was. But I'm telling you, that sorry devil, he's ringing back and forth, and he's trying to tear up everything he can. Oh, but one day he's going to be charcoal. Hey, man, just hold on. There's a second part of that going to bruise thy head that's coming. We'll look at it today.
Notice with me. Let's walk through the text. I want you to notice just a few things today. I'll let you go. I want you to notice, number one, we see the first and the second coming of Christ. I've already mentioned it. The first coming of Christ, his heel's going to be bruised. That's Calvary. He's going to die. Amen. He who, who suffered Calvary is only going to suffer at one time. And when he comes back the next time, amen, the second coming, amen, what he started at Calvary, he's going to finish up. Amen. Hallelujah. I can't wait. Everything in the Bible, a lot of, a lot of prophecies have a twofold fulfilling. Calvary, his head was bruised. But the second coming, that head's going to be bruised when he lays hold on the devil and puts him in hell. And according to 2 Timothy in chapter number 4 and verse number 1, he told, Paul told that young preacher, he said, I charge thee therefore before the Lord Jesus Christ who shall come, amen, with his appearing and his kingdom. He's going to come back and appear and rapture the church out and then he's going to come set that kingdom up. And when he comes and sets that kingdom up, it's going to be the end of the devil. He's going to be burning in hell and after a thousand years of being in there, oh my, ain't that going to be a blessing? We, we get, he referenced again I'm glad I ain't going to hell because I don't want to be where the devil's at. I'm going out of this place. Amen. And in chapter 3 and verse number 15, you see the coming, uh, the first and the second coming of Christ, the seed plot of the whole Bible. And the, the second thing you notice in chapter 3 and verse number 15 is the virgin birth of the Savior. By the seed of the woman, Christ is the only one. The seed is in the man. The only one that could ever fulfill this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. He's the only one that have that heavenly seed implanted into the woman. He isn't the seed of Adam. He doesn't have, he, man, didn't have a thing to do with Adam except he come in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin and condemn sin the flesh so that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. He came as the son of Abraham, as the son of Isaac, the son of Jacob. He came as the son of David. He came as the son of Judah, the son of David. Thank God he's a line of the tribe of Judah. He is the lamb that was slain. He's the limb. Amen. Thank God that root of Jesse. Amen. He's the lamb, the limb, and the line. He's all of it wrapped up in one. He's gonna, he did bruise the head and he's going to finish it one day. He's the virgin birth the virgin born son of God. We see the first and second coming of Christ in chapter 3 and verse 15. We see the virgin birth of Christ in chapter 3 and verse number 15. We also see the death of Christ. I've already mentioned thou shalt bruise his hell. It refers to the suffering. It was according to the foreknowledge of God. It was, we see Calvary right in chapter 3 and verse number 15. And this verse we have the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It said to see the woman. Now wait just a minute. He's been put to death. His heel's been bruised. He's been put to death. Amen. Amen. By the serpent, the sinfulness of humanity, but also the sovereign will of God. Afterward, after his, after his heel has been bruised, he's going to come back and crush the head of the serpent. He does it at Calvary, but he's going to finalize it one blessed day when he steps on that hill. Boy, ain't that going to be a time. In this verse, we have the enmity between the serpent and the seed of the woman. 
between the Antichrist and the Christ. This is seen in Revelation chapter number 19. Christ is going to be victorious. The beast and the false prophets going to be, what a prophetic verse in chapter 3 and verse 15. It's like God, the Father, given the first verse, given the first prophecy of Christ, given us the Bible in a nutshell, the seed plot of the whole Bible. Everything is being fulfilled in chapter 3 and verse number 15. In this verse, we see the enmity between Satan himself and the seed of the woman, the crushing of the head of the servant, the overflow of the plans and the prophecies and the purpose and all the policies. Satan now works. He's the little G God of this world, it looks like. He's got everything in control. Everybody's against everybody. Have you even, have you noticed that I talked to my my stepbrother's boy the other day he works for UPS and we were we were talking about Black Friday and I, I remember working for UPS about 16 years and, and man from a week before Thanksgiving but absolutely after Thanksgiving it was so much volume of packages that you you couldn't even hardly do nothing with them they had to double the driver sometimes you had to double the people in the truck so you got a helper and he said man it's not even increased right now don't even he said I was out delivering packages right near Westgate Mall and the traffic was less on Black Friday than it was other parts of the week he said, I'm telling you, men, people are so broke. He said, people ain't able to get a lot of these presents. And listen, I'm going to tell you, listen, church, here, I got good news for you. It looks like the economy is, is going down. It looks like everything in the world's going haywire. I mean, my goodness, it didn't, when, when man sinned, it wasn't just, it wasn't just humanity, uh, but, but creation itself was hard. It was, we see sinners affected. We see the serpent affected. We, we see the soul affected. Everybody, everything's been affected. But, hey man, Jesus came into this world. That's why we celebrate Christmas anyway. It ain't about lying to your kids about Santa Claus. Somebody ought to say amen. Don't let me get started on that. I need some amens up in here. Amen. Ain't nobody that powerful to know whether you've been good or bad except Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you, Bam Bam. Amen. Without a shadow of a doubt, we know the real reason we need to celebrate. He came into this world. God prophesied in chapter 3 and verse number 15. You see, you see, it looks like, it looks like everything is going down. It looks like there's going to be no hope. It looks like there's going to be no hope for all of humanity. But boy, ain't you glad there is. Amen. Oh, yes. Amen. Man's going to be delivered. The sovereign will is going to be accomplished even though sin entered the world because a substitute has been provided. Yes, he bruised that head, but he's going to finalize everything and take us home one day. Amen. Hallelujah. In this verse, Satan's failure. See, sovereign forgives because a substitute has been made. Souls are delivered because blood has been shed. A substitute's been made. The sovereign will is the redemption. I had a man ask me one day, he said, Preacher, do you believe in the free will of man? And I said, well, what, what, what do you mean? I knew where he's getting, but I wanted, I didn't know if he knew where he was talking about. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, he said, do you believe that, that Satan is working to deceive in religious realms as far as non-religious realms? I said, I sure do. 
He said, well, he said, there's so much false doctrine being preached right now. He said, do you believe that man has a free will? Here's what I told him. I said uh, in Genesis in chapter number three, uh, when it, right before Eve took of that fruit that God told her not to eat, and right before Adam, who was the head of humanity, eat it and was willing to do that so he could get his bride. That's a whole nother picture. But thank God for when, when that happened, at that moment, they had a free will to eat that fruit. But at that moment, that free will became a fallen will. And now they're blind. And now uh, their eyes are shut. And the devil has blinded their mind. So they have a fallen will. But when conviction comes in, when the word's preached, when the spirit of God moves on the heart, when, when the word that is alive can speak to a dead sinner's heart, their ears are dead, their heart's dead, they're not going to listen, they're hard-headed. But when God takes that living word and works through a mortal man and it stirs the heart of a dead sinner, and lets them hear and respond to truth then that fallen will is freed to respond to the conviction of God they then have a chance because you can't just get saved anytime you want to no man can come except the father which sent me draw him you can't just wake up one moment and say well I think I'll just go sign the card today Get my ticket punched to heaven. It takes conviction on a sinner's heart. You've got, hey man, a person that's dead has to be quickened with the word of God. Amen. And I'm, is everybody believe that? I hope you do. God's got to give repentance. You, you can't buy repentance at Walmart. Can't get it at Ingles. They don't stock it at Target. Don't have it down there at Penny. If you can find a Sears, it's still open. You can't find it in her catalog. Repentance is a gift of God. If God peradventure give them repentance to acknowledge the truth. God's got to speak to a heart. God's got to give repentance. God's got to give faith. We're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. God's got to give faith. God's got to give repentance. And it's all because of God's grace. And so what happens is the word of God is preached and to that person that has a fallen will. And the Bible says, and ye hath he quickened, he's made alive, who were dead and trespasses and sin. You've got no ability to get yourself out of that crack that you fell into because of sin no more than that coin that fell in the crack that that woman was looking for in Luke 15 had the ability to save itself it took light being shined then it took somebody on the outside reaching down and pulling it up boy ain't you glad God reached into that pit one day hey man made the word come alive and you called out to him from that pit and he brought you out and he set you up amen that's what David said he he said he heard my cry and he brought me out of that horrible pit set my feet on a solid rock you know what happened hey man that Bible doesn't say he had a 10 speed and throwed it down in there and he pedaled his way out like Mormons believe somebody ought to say amen and it didn't say he had a baptism pool that he threw down in the pit and he could swim his way out it didn't say he had tracks down there he threw down there and stacked them up and worked his way out I'll tell you what he did he cried and the Lord brought him out and set him up. I'm telling you, thank God brought, God brought him out. He set him up. He tuned him up. Hey man, one day he's going to catch him up. That's what God did for us. Y'all with me? All right here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. All right here in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. 
It was God's sovereign will that man would have a free opportunity to obey or disobey. And when man sinned, sin passed on all men because all have sinned. And even though we did not sin after the similitude of Adam, all men have come short of the glory of God. There is none good, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. There is none righteous, no, not one. God said we've all gone backwards. We've all gone astray. There was no hope for us. But boy, ain't you glad the, that seed came. Ain't you glad that seed that was prophesied about. Amen. God his heel bruised for you. Ain't you glad he gave the death blow and delivered them who through fear of the death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. That's what he did in Hebrews chapter 2. Amen. He delivered us who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. Amen. Thank God he became flesh. He became that seed. He became that son of Abraham, son of Isaac, Jacob, the son of Judah, the son of David. He became that messianic line brought Jesus into this world. He was born of a virgin. Amen. Fulfilled every prophecy including Genesis 3 and verse number 15 and laid his life down as a substitute. Took all the wrath of God and the fury of hell and died suspended between heaven and earth so you would never have to go to hell and you could go to heaven forever. Hey man you pray preacher how can I get it? How can I get it? When you're lost and you're dead in your sin when God speaks to your heart conviction sets in that's when the spirit of God has turned the light on and he's delivered repentance to you and he's gave you faith to believe because we're not saved by our own faith Paul said in Galatians 2, verse number 20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. For the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of. That's what your King James Bible says. Yeah, NIV Bible says in the Son of God. Well, ain't you glad you got a real Bible? Because, amen, you can't muster it up and have it in something. No, you got of. That means you didn't have it. God gave it to you. And the life that you live is by the faith of the Son of God. God put faith in you. God convicted your heart. God gave you repentance. Amen. All by way of that seed coming. Boy, ain't you glad he came. Woo, I'm glad for the seed that came. It's God's will. You see, if man could have done it, then he'd have been satisfied with the fig leaves. But man couldn't do it. There had to be a blood atonement. An innocent animal died in Genesis 3. Unto Adam also to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them according to the way the Bible reads. That's the first sacrifice that was ever made, the first animal that ever died. They all, before the, before the flood, everybody was vegetarians. They ate herbs and seeds and grass. I'm, I'm not glad everybody died before the flood, but I sure am glad after he turned them loose, he said you need everything that don't have blood in it. Hey, man. Hey, man. I like eating it all. You can eat anything you want now. Now, I'm not saying it ain't going to hurt you physically. Hey, some things that ain't going to be healthy for you. You follow that Jewish dietary law, it might be more healthier for you, but I'm so glad you can pray and ask God to bless it and go on and eat it. Amen. It might cut your life short, but you need it. It ain't going to curse you spiritually. Is everybody okay? Boy, ain't you glad one day, according to the Bible, this first animal, this first sacrifice died. An innocent animal died. 
prophetic picture uh, most believe it was a lamb. And here's the reason why. In Genesis, I believe it happened, and, and I ain't got time to preach this whole message. That's a whole other message. But look in verse, y'all remember when I preached on Genesis 3 and verse 24? 23 and 24. The Lord God sent them forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. And he drove out the man and placed at the east of the garden of Eden. Y'all see that? Cherubims, the flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way. Cherubims, that's two. I believe the sacrifice was made right between them two cherubims. That's a picture of the throne of God. That's a picture of the mercy seat inside the tabernacle. Because when Abel offers his sacrifice, where did he learn to offer sacrifice? Well, he learned to offer it from Adam and Eve who told him what God did. Cain tried to do what he wanted to do and offer up his own works, and God rejected it. I believe Abel took it over there to that same place. Amen. Took it over there to that same place. Here you got them two cherubim, just like you had at the mercy seat. Boy, ain't God good. Amen. And just to show it's all completed, he let John put in there some specifics on the resurrection. He had one angel, and after the resurrected body had vacated the empty garments, and the napkin that was about his head floated up, letting us know he's coming back. There's an angel at his head and an angel at his foot just to say, hey, blood's accepted, sacrifice made, no more needed. Amen. Boy, ain't God good. I feel like running today. Hey, man. I'm talking about in Genesis 3. Because of sin, there's thorns, there's thistles, weeds are going to come up. If you're going to eat anything that the ground brings forth, it's going to have to sweat by your face to make it happen. Women's going to have to have children now and travail and, and, and death and the graveyard is coming because of sin. The evilness of everything that goes on. Why did God let it happen? No, I mean, you, you don't need to say God didn't make that stuff happen. It's a result of sin. It's a result of sin. We could have been back in the garden. But God knew it was going to be like this for the world was. The chaotic condition of the world, the catastrophe, amen, the, ca the catastrophic consequences of sin that we see around us every day. The coming of Christ, the conversion of Christians. Thank God, it's all right here in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. Salvation through the blood substitute right here, chapter 3, verse number 15. Here, here's, here's what I think. <laughs> There's people throughout this world that are going to showbiz churches. And, and, and I'm not going to name anybody specifically. I, that'll leave unless the Lord tells me to. But here's what happens. You have lights, flashes, paint the walls black, paint the ceiling black, uh, make sure we got smoke machines, Make sure we got, looks like a concert, like we're down there at a Van Halen concert. Sounds like it too. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm feeling like I'm going to have to preach another hour if I don't get some amens. And all that's going on. Words not being preached. Everybody's feeling good. They're passing out free cut, cuttery plates on a raffle ticket. Giving away Harleys on Father's Day. I think about, I think we'll just cancel Father's Day service, go down there and get a Harley, and then we'll have a mid, no, I'm just kidding. Hey, man, I mean, they're giving away Harley. I'm not, I'm serious. They, they'll let you pay your tithes, and, and if you ain't happy, they'll give you a refund. 
Crazy, crazy stuff. Truth ain't being preached, no gospel clear message. And the world is being tricked by easy believism. Sign your name on a card. Who in the world would want to go to hell anyway? If you've been raised around church enough, you believe there's a hell and there's a heaven. How, how's they going to be a heaven if there ain't no hell? Are y'all with me? And here's what they'll do. I've been, I've been invited and I preached on a platform that never had me back after this. But I was there and here's what happened. Here's, here's what happened, Brother Scott. I didn't know it was like that. It was a big camp meeting and they brought all this theatrical stuff in. I mean, look, honest to God, it looked just like a concert. And when I got my, my turn was to come up and preach. I preached what the Lord laid on my heart on Isaiah. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And I dealt with the depravity of man, the sovereignty of God. And man, I'm telling you, woo, man, well, I had a good time. Me and the Lord had a good time. Amen. And when it was all said and done, I had a man come up to him and said, we don't believe that. We got a clipboard back there at the back. We ask them as they go out the door, do you believe Jesus died? Yes, sir. Do you believe he was buried? Yes, sir. Do you believe he rose the third day? Yes, sir. Then sign right here and you can go to heaven. That's what they do. And they send in a multitude. There's no conviction, no repentance because ain't no gospel being preached. Are y'all listening to this preacher? The first message the Father said I want to preach is about the coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. I'm going to preach about the Satan that you got to be aware of. Better watch out for that devil. Don't be ignorant of his devices. Hey, the Lord's pinned it down there for us. And Paul reminds us not to be ignorant of his devices. And church, we shouldn't be ignorant. So thank God. I'm glad we got a delivering Savior. There is a deceptive devil. Oh, yes, but there is a determined sovereign that's over everything that's working it all out. Ain't you glad? Don't, don't, don't think for one minute that Satan don't want to discourage everybody here, that he don't want to divide everybody here, that he don't want to defile everybody here, that he don't want to deceive everybody here, that he don't want to destroy everybody here. And if it's not wound up in Genesis 3.15, hey, there's a conflict, and Satan's after your children, he's after us, and he wants to work against God. But he's going to be, he has been at Calvary, and he will finally one day be forever conquered. Amen, thank God. All because of Calvary and because of Christ. God gave it right here, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I'm going to give you one verse in Genesis 3 and verse 15. And all doctrine, in the first 14 chapters of the book of Genesis, every is the principle of first mention. That means if one something's mentioned in the Bible, the first time the truth carries all the way to the end of the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis 1 and 14, the seed plot of all Bible truth is in them 14 chapters. If you had to pick one verse in Genesis 3 and verse 15, there it is. God said, I'm, I'm going to give you a Bible in a nutshell. This is the book of the beginning. He said, I'm going to tell you what happened. God's will is for sinners to be delivered. God's will is for sinners to be forgiven. Would y'all say amen? Satan's determination. It's for no sinners to be forgiven. He wants to deceive. He wants to divide. He wants to destroy. He wants to discourage. 
But thank God for the truth of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Be careful where you're looking, young people. Be careful where you're walking. Be careful what you're thinking. Don't take a stroll with the devil because it'll always lead you to a place you don't want to go. Let's all stand, heads bowed, eyes closed.